Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. We live in a time where we have the knowledge of the history of the world readily available. We can learn and master anything we want with the click of a few buttons and some persistent practice. With that being said, we can learn anything, but we don't have enough time to learn everything. So how do we take what we need, simplify it for our players, and make training stick? In addition, how do we assess each player's optimal learning point? I will hit on this and several other topics this week, and it may get heavy, so bear with me. Here is How to Make It Stick, Learning That Lasts, Part 1. Let's start with what doesn't work. Mindless drills with no buy-in. I think the first thing that we need to earn is buy-in. I talked about this in Starting With Why earlier this year and the reasons behind it. Essentially, if we don't create buy-in, we run the risk of our players not being engaged and they go on autopilot. When they are not engaged, they are not learning, and neither they nor the team is getting any better. Another thing that doesn't work is no deliberate practice. A big part of this is to understand the why behind the process. For those in the classroom, this would be the objective. What exactly do I need to do to accomplish this task? What exactly is being asked? Not only is this important for learning, it's extremely important for the generation that we are coaching, Generation Z. And according to Jason Dorsey, when Gen Z knows the objective for tasks, they are more motivated to complete the task. So what are some ideas to combat this? Tell me and I'll forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I will learn. Benjamin Franklin. Well, the easy answer would be to say, do the opposite of the above, and in 7 to 10 days later, you will have complete buy-in for your program. Right. So here are some ideas on how we can combat this. Let's start with attentional focus and deliberate practice. When we're discussing deliberate practice, when the players know the objective, what is being asked, and what exactly they need to do to accomplish the task, this is the biggest part to this. As I stated above, it's vital for this generation to understand the why behind it, so let's give it to them. How do we focus their attention on the task and have them work towards executing it? It has to start with the understanding of what exactly is being asked, and then we can gear our questioning towards each individual after. Another way to do this is desirable, purposeful work versus filling time and space. This is a lot easier said than done in the team setting. Tell me if this sounds familiar. We have 50 minutes to hit, indoors, in the middle of winter, with a little amount of space. This is where the why and the objective have to kick in. It's also important to discuss with the players what they want to work on. It's their career, and attaching the why to anything in practice will immediately increase buy-in, or at least provide some accountability. Let me give you an example. Player. Hey coach, why are we doing T-work? We don't hit off a T in a game. T-work sucks. Coach. Well, we have a lack of space. It's 30 degrees outside, and in our intro meetings, after spending the entire fall going through our system, you pointed out that you loved this drill and it helped you lock in your swing. Player. Yeah, well, I think I'm ready for something different. Coach. Sounds great. What did you have in mind? Player. Blankly stares at you wondering how in the world he didn't get a different reaction from you. Coach. Let's do this. Give me your absolute best with the remaining reps for today. Go home and think about what you'd rather do and text me in the morning. Player. Bet. This conversation would have been completely different if Coach had blown up the player in the first part of the conversation. I would definitely have a conversation with this player about his approach next time. 
But if we blow him up in front of the team, it may set the tone for the rest of the year that we don't ever want to be questioned over what we're doing, which should never be the case. Another step in the process would be spaced repetition. Spaced repetition occurs after introducing the task and then spacing it out a few days apart. When something is spaced out, you can easily assess if a player knows it, if they are able to retrieve it from their memory. This is known as active retrieval. And if they can't, it hasn't stuck yet. Another example of testing this would be to ask them what the objective of each drill is at spaced times throughout the week. This not only helps them with active retrieval, but also is a great form of reflection. Here are some other options to help get a player's training to stick. Expressing it in your own words. Being able to record it or store it for ourselves can be crucial in the learning process. An easy way to do this would be to have them send you video explaining the concept or what they felt in their own words. Connecting it to prior knowledge. Most of us rely on our past experiences to teach us things today, but being able to connect ideas is essential in the learning process. Explain it like I'm five. This may be my favorite, and it can be used coach to player or player to player. When you think your player has an understanding, tell them to explain it to you as if you're five years old. Most likely, this will make them simplify some of the language and it will be a true test of if they actually know the subject or if they are just using the buzzwords that you use. You don't truly know anything until you could teach it to a five-year-old. Reflection. Yes, again, at the end of practice, ask, what is something that you learned today? You can do this either in the group setting or by randomly asking players each day or asking individual players on their way out of practice. The final subject that I want to discuss today is interweaving practice with desirable difficulties. We want to have a feel on when to interweave practice with desirable difficulties. In an ideal world, most of what we do in practice would mimic what they see in a game. We see a lot of stuff on social media about how to make practices more game-like, and there is a lot of evidence to warrant that. There are countless studies done over the matter, and there are a few things that I would like us all to keep in mind. Number one, do the players understand that doing this in practice may lead to short-term losses, but substantially better gains over the long-term? If they don't, then a conversation needs to be had. An example of this would be mixed BP, which causes players to make closer-to-game-like decisions in batting practice. We also need to keep in mind the level of difficulty and the amount of stress our players are under. Think of it like a rubber band. If your players are under too much stress and we are stretching it past its limit on a daily basis, it snaps. It can be the same way with our players. This is where having feel as a coach is extremely important. If our players are under a constant state of stress at home, at school, and at practice, there's 0% chance we will get their best day in and day out. There may be days that taking feel-good BP is necessary. Don't kill the messenger, but it's true. All of that being said, we ideally want to make the stage of desirable difficulty around 4% harder than their comfort level to achieve the flow state. And Stephen Kotler talks about this in The Rise of Superman. And he states that, Flow appears near the emotional midpoint between boredom and anxiety. This is what scientists call the flow channel, the spot where the task is hard enough to make us stretch, but not hard enough to make us snap. How hard is that? Answers vary but the general thinking is about 4%. That's it. That's the sweet spot. And if you want to trigger flow, the challenge should be 4% greater than the skills. So how do we know what everyone's 4% is? To me, it just means slightly harder than what they've already mastered. Having a feel for how to push each player and pull each player and knowing what their optimal challenge point is 
should be the goal of any coach at any level in any sport. Understand that when players take action, it becomes a memory that they use to anticipate the correct decision when the player is faced with a similar situation. If you are listening to this, you want your players to get better. Therefore, by setting up an environment for this to happen has to be the most important thing we do on a daily basis. There will be some days that they will do more talking than you will. However, just like you are asking your players to do, don't bromance your comfort zone, coach. Have a great week. Thanks for listening.